Hey, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Mission Matters. My name is Adam Torres, and if you'd like to apply to be a guest on the show, just head on over to missionmatters.com and click on Be Our Guest to Apply. All right, so today I have John Cash on the line, and he's CEO of Your Energy. John, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Adam. I appreciate the opportunity to be on. All right, John. So uh, excited about today's topic. We're getting into the future of uranium, uh, market insights, uh, future energy and geopolitics, a whole lot to cover today. So um, we'll have some fun with this, John. But to get us started, we'll kick this show off the way that we start them all with our Mission Matters Minute. So, John, we at Mission Matters, we amplify stories for entrepreneurs, executives and experts. That's our mission. John, what mission matters to you? Yeah, so at Your Energy, our mission is to advance the nuclear industry through the uh, application of uranium mining. We are a uranium mining company, and we supply uh, the fuel to our nuclear power reactors in the U.S. and potentially globally. And that's important to us for a variety of reasons. Obviously, there's a, there's a profit motive, uh, which is fantastic. But also, there's some geopolitical reasons that we do the work we do. Uh, the U.S. has become so incredibly reliant on nations around the world for fuel supply and processing. Uh, and many of those nat- uh, nations are not so friendly uh, to democracy and to the United States. So we want to provide an alternate supply of that fuel. But also, it, that mission is really important to us from the green energy perspective. Uh, nuclear power is an incredibly green, uh, carbon-free source of power, and we want to be able to supply that to the world. You know, the resources we have at our uranium deposits uh, that your energy holds here in the U.S., it, they will provide enough energy that when compared to coal-fired power, we will offset 63 million cars on the highway for mm-hmm. one year. That's an incredible number, and we are really proud to be a part of that story in advancing the nuclear space uh, and the industry within the U.S. and globally. It's awesome, and great to have you on the show. Um, so I want to I want to start maybe a little bit further back, John. So so how did you get involved in in, in business and and in, well, I should say in uranium and in this business and energy? Um, like, how did you get involved in, and how did you get started? Yeah, you know, it's kind of a funny story. Uh, When I went to college, I was going to be a chemical engineer Mm -hmm. and uh, went to a fantastic school. I'll always put a plug out for the University of Missouri at Rolla. Mm -hmm. It's now called the Missouri School of Science and Technology. But when I first went in as a freshman, they said, you know what, the geology department, they have a lot of scholarship money. And so uh, once you start there, take some classes and get some good scholarship money, and then uh, maybe your sophomore, junior year, transfer back over to chemical engineering. So I did that, and with no intention of becoming a geologist, but my very first class, Geology 101, it was so much fun. It was so interesting. Uh, I was immediately (laughs) hooked. I loved it. I loved being out in the field and doing geology and the physical science. Uh, It just it uh, really grabbed my attention. So I started off as a geologist, uh, got my degrees in geology and geophysics, bachelor's and master's and uh, went to work actually for a couple of the major mining companies globally Mm. while I was still in school. And uh, that just uh, strengthened my interest in geology and started off uh, looking for uranium uh, in the U.S. Mm. uh, with the majors. 
And uh, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but I've stuck with uranium uh, my entire career. And so that's how I got started. And, you know, after that, uh, did a lot of production geology, um, my actual mining, a uh, little bit of engineering work as well, and most recently became the CEO of Your Energy. So it's been a wonderful ride. Uh, no regrets looking back uh, and uh, hope to stay with uranium my entire career. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of funny how I started off. No, yeah, what, what, an amazing, what an amazing story. Some of your employees are going to hear that and be like, oh, that's what happened with Don. Okay. <laughs> and what's, yeah, what's yeah. really, what's really um, I mean, re- regardless of what a lot of, lot of executives, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of business owners, CEOs, I'm listening to this show, and it's, it's interesting as you hear someone else's story about how they kind of like zig and zag to get where they were at, and you have lived with uranium since, since college. I think that's an amazing story. Yeah, and you know, the reason I stuck with it is mm-hmm. nuclear and uranium mining is such an interesting industry. It has a lot of science and technology application, uh, nuclear power, the physics and uh, that goes into that is absolutely intriguing. But then you layer in on top of that the geopolitical matters, mm. national mm-hmm. security, and the carbon-free attributes. And it's just a compelling story. Uh, it's just incredibly intriguing. I really enjoy being steep on the learning curve, and the nuclear mm-hmm. industry has allowed that. It seems like every turn in my career – I'm able to be very steep on that learning curve, and, and that's fun. When I'm learning, I'm having mm-hmm. fun. Yeah, and right now, and I, I believe just from what I know and from what I've seen, like you're, you're just you're just a huge advocate of the industry in general. So I think right now you're at a, you're at a conference, right? Am I, am I off on that one? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Uh, every year, the World Nuclear Association has a meeting o- over the summer. It's the uh, probably the biggest uh, nuclear conference in the world. Uh, but it's held uh, each year in London. So I got here a couple of days ago and been having some very interesting meetings. And tomorrow the uh, sessions uh, start in, in earnest, and we'll be attending those and uh, learning more about the industry, about fuel demand going forward, and uh, how nuclear plants are being built out. So it, it's always uh, inter- interesting when we get together with the industry. Yeah. And so let's, uh, let's dive a little bit further into your energy. So tell us a little bit more about the company. Yeah, you bet. So the company was formed in 2004 as a private company up in Canada. And uh, a a number of our executives that formed the company are still on the board. And so we've got some really long tenured guys and and ladies uh, that have been on the board for a long time. And uh, But it started off as a private company. But in 2006, uh, they decided it was time to go public. So Mm -hmm. they got a listing on the Toronto Exchange under URE. And we still trade there today. Uh, we've also now gotten a uh, ticker symbol on the New York American. The, that symbol is URE. So we trade on two exchanges. But back at that time, uh, the group was exploring exclusively in Canada. And Canada has a number of really good uranium ore bodies. But the challenge is they're very expensive to explore for and very, very difficult to find. And so the board recognized, hey, look, you know, maybe for a startup company, this is really not where we should be. Maybe we should go where maybe the deposits aren't as big, but they're a lot easier and less expensive to find. So early on, they made a decision to do work in the U.S. Uh, They were able to acquire uh, several projects, including our flagship property, uh, Lost Creek, 
uh, in Wyoming. And over the years, we were able to successfully drill out that deposit and uh, did an economic analysis and determined that we should go forward and mine it. So we uh, did the permitting. Uh, so the, the property now is fully licensed. We've constructed it out. And in August of 2013, we went into production. Mm. It's been a really good uh, deposit. The recovery rates have been exceptionally high. Uh, we've utilized a technique of mining called in situ, which is a Latin word that means in the place. So instead mm. of digging at it or having an open pit mine, what we do with in situ mining is we drill water wells and we inject groundwater, oxygen, and soda ash into the formation, and that effectively dissolves the uranium ore body, and then we pump that solution up from an adjacent well and send it to a processing plant where we recover the uranium. But mm. the beautiful thing about in situ is the uh, impact to the earth is minimal. Uh, if uh, we were on TV here and I could show you a picture uh, of our mine units, you would see just a green fil uh, field full of grass, and then about every 100 feet, you would have a little wellhead sticking up. It looks like they look like little beehives. And so our impact to the surface is just almost indistinguishable. And when we get done, we'll clean up the, the area and replant the grass, and it'll return to a native habitat very, very quickly. And it can be used for anything uh, when we're done. So really neat technology. But since we started mining, uh, back in 2013, we've mined nearly 2.7 million pounds of uranium, and we're still up and running and uh, look to be mining in that deposit for many, many years to come. So great deposit. You know, since then, uh, the uh, acquisition of that property, we've also acquired our second flagship property. It's called Shirley Basin. It's also located in Wyoming and will be an in-situ mine. We've got it fully permitted. And we are waiting for market signals to uh, tell us, hey, it's time to build it out and put it into production as well. So a couple of really good projects in a great jurisdiction, a jurisdiction that is very pro-mining and pro-nuclear. So uh, that's kind of the story of your energy. That puts us where we are today. What are um, like what are some of the reasons that you joined the you you your energy team like what 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 kind of prompted you to make that move because obviously you know you're you're a foremost expert in, in this field and you work for many other um, you know large companies what, what 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 made you make the move Yeah so I mean a lot of factors uh, I don't know that I could pinpoint one that was kind of uh, the, the tipping point but we had my wife and I we had lived in Wyoming for a number of years and uh, before we made the move back to work for Your Energy, we were in Nebraska, and we love Nebraska. It's a great place to be, but we were in a very, very small community. And so moving back into Wyoming, we were able to move into a, a larger community. And just going to work for a small junior company, it gives you a lot of optionality. There's a lot of excitement there yeah. that you don't necessarily get with a really large company uh, that tends to move very slowly and react very slowly. So I think those are kind of two of the, the big reasons why we made the jump. And, and I guess maybe I should point out, too, that I knew a number of the people uh, with your energy at that time mm -hmm. and had tremendous respect for their technical ability and their integrity. Uh, so in that regard, it was easy to make the jump over and start working with your energy. And, uh, you know, haven't regretted it a day since. It's been a, a yeah. fantastic ride with the company. 
It's fun. It's uh, obviously it's a big company, but just thinking about um, you know the uh, the idea of kind of starting and, and building something and watching the need to move. A lot of reasons why you know some people choose to move to startups after a certain point of time in their career where they feel they can make yeah. a lot of impact. Um, so that it's a wonderful, it's a great story. So let's get into just some of the. Um, I guess some of what's going on in the uranium market just in general. Um, so what, what can you tell us about what's going on in the market? Well, you know, it's an incredibly complicated story, uh, but I'll hit some of the highlights. Uh, right now, globally, there are over 400 reactors up and running, uh, of which about 93 of those are in the U.S. So, uh, you know, roughly a one quarter of the demand for uranium is here in the U.S., and a lot of people don't recognize that. Uh, those reactors, they provide about 20% of our electricity in the U.S., and a little over half of our carbon-free energy comes from nuclear. So most of the market for us is here in the U.S., and uh, our reactors burn about 50 million pounds per year. Globally, the demand is roughly 180 million pounds per year. So there's not been much mining in the U.S. recently. Uh, because in Canada and Australia, because Western world mining companies have had a very hard time competing with some of the state-owned enterprises out of Kazakhstan and out of Russia. And I should point out that Kazakhstan, they do a lot of mining. They are the lead uranium mining country in the world by far. Uh, no one else comes even close. But Russia, on the other hand, they are the processors, and they are by far the largest processor of uranium in the world. So Kazakhstan is the miner. Russia is the processor. Uh, but it's been very difficult for Western companies to compete with that, those state-owned enterprises. Um, you know, they don't pay their employees much money. They have very few environmental standards. And because of those factors, uh, you know, their cost of production is very low. So when they respond to an RFP, a request for proposal from a utility, very frequently they win because they're not encumbered by those obligations. Uh, here in the U.S., we're proud to operate in an environmentally uh, sensitive manner. Uh, we reclaim things when we are done. Uh, in Kazakhstan, they don't. They simply walk away. Uh, but, so we're proud of that, of what we do here in the U.S. and how we do it. But it's hard to compete. So over the years, the uh, utilities globally have become more and more and more dependent on those state-owned enterprises. Well, then comes the Russian invasion of Ukraine, and it's called all of this into question. And right now, utilities are looking at their contracting going forward and saying, hey, look, we really shouldn't be so reliant on Russia or state-owned enterprises, especially if they're antagonistic to the U.S., uh, into democracy. So U.S. utilities are beginning to move away uh, and global utilities are beginning to move away uh, from Russian supply and less so, but there is a grave concern about Kazakh supply because of their close relationship with Russia and also the complexity of shipping material out of Kazakhstan. So that's all throwing the complications into the market. Uh, on top of that, the demand is growing very rapidly. We've got countries around the world that are building out their nuclear power plants even before Russia invaded Ukraine. 
we had countries like uh, China in particular uh, that have said, hey, we're going to be building out uh, essentially 150 new reactors over 15 years. And uh, just today, I saw an article come out that they are on track and that they are looking to expedite the build out of nuclear reactors in China. And keep in mind, uh, you know, earlier in our conversation, I said there are 400 reactors in the world. Now China's building 150 additional reactors. Mm -hmm. So that's going to put a lot of pressure on the market. And you've got other countries around the world that are really doubling down on nuclear right now. Uh, South Korea, Japan, Finland, Turkey, India, England. Uh, even here in the U.S., we've got uh, two reactors under construction in Georgia uh, by a company called Southern Company. So there's a lot more demand being put on in, on the market, and we're seeing even advances in technology through what are called small modular reactors, uh, where those are being uh, licensed and built around the world. And we expect to see a lot of additional demand from that. So uh, the market price has been inching up in response to all of those factors. It's volatile. It's up one day and down the next, uh, moves all around, but it is inching upward. Uh, and then I guess one final comment on the market is some of the financial players have really started to jump into the space as well because they see that uh, there's a, a supply shortfall and they believe prices are headed higher. So we've got a number of hedge funds and ETFs that are jumping in and but the most notable one uh, would be Sprott, uh, S-P-R-O-T-T. -T. Uh, they have funds that they've established for gold and silver. But in July of last year, they established a fund for uranium. And the way the fund works is they have an ATM, an at-the-market mechanism, where they sell shares to the public. And then they take the money from those shares and they buy physical uranium from the miners or traders, and they hold it in a trust in perpetuity. There is no way for them or no mechanism for them to sell back into the market. So they've acquired a lot of pounds of uranium. In fact, right now, their inventory is well over 50 million pounds of uranium, and that's putting a lot of pressure on the market because any pounds that weren't uh, nailed down in one way, shape, or form Sprott is out there buying them up every chance they get. So there's less and less mobile inventory on the market all the time. And that's driving the price upward as well. So you have all of these pressures on the market kind of coming together at one time, creating a perfect storm and driving the price upward. And I think, you know, I, I commonly get asked, well, where's the price going to go? And my response is it's difficult to predict, but in the short term, I do expect to see a lot of continued volatility. Uh, a lot of that is going to hinge on what Russia does and how they behave going forward. But in the midterm to long term, I think we are in, entering a new nuclear renaissance in the U.S. and around the world, largely because it's carbon free and it's reliable and it's good solid base load. And so governments around the world are really advocating for it and uh, the, the build-outs are incredible. So uh, in the mid to long term, I think we have a very bright future. And uh, we'll see where the price settles out. Right now, uh, the spot price is around $52. The long-term price is around $53. Uh, 
And uh, I expect to continue to see them rise uh, in a very volatile way, but I think it's going to continue to rise. Yeah, such an such an interesting thought to be that to think that we may be in the uh, the next uh, nuclear renaissance. So uh, interesting, and and all the issues that you that you mentioned, um, and you're you're right in the middle of it. So I understand why uh, why you you stuck with uranium early in your yeah. career. You may not have known it that that college class and that like what <laughs> geology 101. It's interesting how a career can come full circle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it really is. It, it's really funny, you know. We obviously in college we studied uranium and uranium deposits. But who would have thought? Did you? Yeah, yeah. Who would have thought you'd be having these discussions about Russia and other places? Yep, come, that's right. Like many many years later, who would have thought? It's right out of James Bond in a way. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, John, um, you know, it's been great having you on the show. Uh, if, if somebody is watching this or listening to this and they want to learn more about your energy, um, what's the best way for them to do that? You know, we have a great website. Uh, in fact, we just revamped it here a few months ago, but www.ur-energy.com. And it's got a lot of great information about the company. Uh, we've also got a really good video on the website that shows how we do in situ mining. And uh, I can explain it uh, with words, but, you know, pictures are worth 10, or a picture is worth 10,000 words. So mm-hmm. if anyone's interested in the technology, I would encourage them to watch the video. It's, it's really good and informative. Fantastic. And we'll put the links to all, all of the, the website and everything else in the show notes. And speaking of the audience, if, if somebody's listening to this and this is your first time with Mission Matters, we're all about bringing on entrepreneurs, executives, and experts and having them share their mission, the reason behind what they do, um, how they're doing it, and really how they're out there making a difference in the world. Uh, if that's the type of content that sounds interesting or um, exciting or engaging to you, hit that subscribe button because we have many more mission-based individuals coming up on the line, and we don't want you to miss a thing. And John, really, it has been a pleasure. Uh, thanks again for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you, Adam.